ladies and gentlemen, boils and ghouls. Who are too cool for school. Yep. (laughs) Welcome back to a very special episode of the Haunted Heart Podcast. Uh, Very special. Do do you want to tell them why it's special? Super duper special. Well, uh, we have a special guest with us this week, and it's not Scarlett. I'm very sorry to say. (laughs) It's not Scarlett. But Uh, we think you might like her too. It's it's not Digitally Spliced Katie. Thank God. No, it ain't that bitch neither. Fuck that bitch. Have to pop her. No, it is our dear, dear friend, Whitney, who is a Patreon supporter, and she is our head witch in charge, which means she gets to be with us on an episode. Yes. And guest star on an episode. So say hello, Whitney. Hello, Whitney. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) See, now you should have known we're dealing with a smart ass. You shall receive. Did you hear that? She said we're dealing with a smart ass. <laughs> I, yeah, you are. Any, loved, in all seriousness, I loved those episodes with your mom, Katie. She was absolutely adorable. Isn't she, she though? She is the best. I think she the f- sounded amazing. My favorite listener feedback that we got from that was that my mother quote sounded like. No, my mother, quote, had the sound of a woman who had to raise me. (laughs) That she sounded like a battered war veteran who had also made a lot of pie. (laughs) Which I will have you all know that my mother has never made any fucking pie for me. No. Not once. No, not, not. Really? No, she's never made me a pie. She's not much of a cook. Like, she, her mom used to send her to her room to do homework instead of, like, learning to cook and stuff because she wanted her to like be smart and grow up and like succeed and do things in life which she did but uh she still can't fucking cook i mean well she can make certain recipes real good listen scarlet is a woman that is going to get what she wants by any means (laughs) (laughs) so if she wants a pie if she has to make it she'll make it but if she can just buy it just buy it she's gonna buy it too she's gonna buy that pie exactly 100 percent oh yeah She's yeah. a woman on a mission. She is uh no, she's she's amazing. Uh we love Scarlett she and she was uh um very well received. Yeah. <laughs> she might unseat either one of either myself or Katie. <laughs> we haven't decided yet. Oh, oh please. <laughs> we'll oh, get her her please. show. Yeah, we'll get her her own show Although eventually. It might be cool to have a mom's corner. <laughs> amazing. A mom's corner. Yeah, no, I can't uh actually uh I'm going to try to get my mom on an episode. Oh. And that's going to be <laughs> It's going to be lit. That's going to be a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, today we have you yes. and we are so excited. Yay! So you can be you can be our little uh, podcast mom for today. Yeah. Well, I am, I am a mom, so yeah. Good. <laughs> That's good, awesome. Good. So as part of your uh, Patreon tier reward, which I'm sure that all of you guys know, we talk about it every episode, but uh, just in case you don't. Patreon.com slash The Haunted Heart is where you can sign up to support the show. You can start for as low as a dollar a month, and every dollar counts. So we are very grateful for everybody who supports us there. Um, Whitney is our head witch in charge, which is the top tier of our Patreon. So she VIP girl. Um, (laughs) And as part of her uh, Patreon rewards, because each tier has a different um, list of rewards that you get for signing up to support the show at that level, 
for her tier, she actually got to pick what the episode is about today and guest star on it. So if you want to kind of like intro our topic, Whitney, you can take it away. The floor is yours. Well, what I would like to start with is a question. That's how I usually begin my tours uh, when I work. Yeah. Do you guys, what do you guys feel about dolls? (laughs) So... Here's the thing. Katie, I know, I know how you feel about dolls. You've made it abundantly clear with your mama. <laughs> I think you, I think, uh, suffice it to say that Katie and I are probably on the same page when yeah. it comes to dolls. I'm not, um, uh, like I said, my mother had some that creeped me out. Uh, that porcelain doll mess, I just don't, mm-mm. Mm-mm, I don't like it. Um, the closest thing that I will get to a doll is like maybe like Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Still creepy, but Still fun creepy, creepy. But like that's Still very about creepy. Yeah. Well, you get to leave is the thing. Yeah. The doll having dolls in one's home. I don't think I have a single doll in my house. Um, okay. Barbies. Barbies was okay. I actually used to secretly play with my mom's Barbies. <laughs> I, I I chopped off my Barbie doll's hair. I Amazing. used to. <laughs> I chopped off my Barbie doll's hair into like a bob, and then I gave her tattoos with a ballpoint pen. Hell yeah, my Barbie was a biker bitch Barbie, hundred nah, percent. My, my, except I did that to my sister's Barbie. Oh shit! Sorry, sis. My, uh, no, my my mother collected those um, like holiday Barbies, so they were the really oh, glamorous ones that fabulous. had like the the dresses and the jewelry and all of that. And so I would just like, oh, yeah. I, I I believe I had one hidden under my bed that I would just like, I would just. Just dress her up and, and then in the same dress and <laughs> just take it off, redress her. So that's about it. That's about my extent of uh, of doll behavior. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing the Barbie girl song in my head right now. You know yes. what? I did play that many times. My mother, I believe, at one point. Yeah. Well, because this is a pretty dark topic, but we raised some interesting points there. The point with dolls is you can either keep them as perfect as they are, or you can change them and shape them to suit whatever you want with tattoos or bobs or whatever. But what if that doll was your company? Oh, What if that doll was your friend? What if that doll was not really a doll, but a corpse? (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. That was brilliant. I'm like, Katie and I are in awe right now. Just over here listening. Like, that was very good. That, shit. I think that was probably the best intro this fucking podcast has ever (laughs) Legit. (laughs) Legit. That was totally made up off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it. Whitney mentioned earlier that she gives tours, but she you work at the Poe Museum in Richmond, Virginia. Actually, no. Uh, I, I mean, I have worked there in the past, but um, I'm very close to it. I love the Poe Museum. Um, I will support it from now until the end of time. But I actually work at the Valentine Museum. But funny enough, uh, Edgar Allan Poe's foster mother, Frances Allen, was a Valentine. 
Oh, perfect. Interesting. Interesting little connection. Cool. But the Valentine Museum is basically 400 years of Richmond history. It is awesome. Everybody, if you come to Richmond, Virginia, come check it out. That's awesome. Yeah. So you got that storytelling on lock. Yes, she does. <laughs> All right. So what we thought that we would do... Um, is Kenny and I are going to lay the case out for you guys. Um, we're kind of going to do, we're going to walk you through the case, basically. Um, and then we're going to have a little discussion afterwards. So it'll be a little bit different than our regular episode format. So it should be a good time, and we're about to get spooky. Yes, we're about to get spooky up in this bitch. So Katie, I'm going to let you take it off, because I can't pronounce this motherfucker's name. <laughs> so this <laughs> this case comes to us from Russia. Um this is the case of Anatoly Yurevich Moskvin. Can we just take a second to pause at how great that sounded? <laughs> that was awesome. Like, I, I, I was struggling with that. You, I'm going to tell you what, this is a strength for Katie because like any other time we're trying to pronounce a name on here, just butchered. Completely butchered. <laughs> but you put some Russian shit up in here and about 37 different words and or letters all smushed together. She can pronounce it. Uh with ease that's what happens when you get on a plane right after undergrad and fly to russia and don't speak a word of russian you just learn it you just learn a lot of vodka yeah yeah you you figure it out lots of vodka so anatoly anatoly was born september 1st 1966 uh and he was arrested in 2011 after the mummified bodies of 26 girls between the ages of 3 and 15 were found in his apartment. Mm. And we're going to investigate how. In his apartment, girl? In his apartment. Ooh, okay. So Anatoly Uh. said that he started wandering through cemeteries with friends when he was still a schoolboy. And in an article that was written shortly before his arrest, he explained that his interest in the dead stemmed from a childhood incident um, that had happened when he witnessed a funeral procession for an 11-year-old girl. He said that his parents, um, in one report it was his parents, and in one report it was participants of the, um, of the procession, the funeral procession. But basically, the gist of the story is that he was forced to kiss the dead girl's face as like a show of respect. Um, and he wrote that, quote, an adult pushed my face down to the waxy forehead of the girl in an embroidered cap, and there was nothing I could do but kiss her as ordered. I hate okay, the waxy forehead. Okay, I got a forehead. really weird question. What? Yeah. I got a weird question about that. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't funerals like kind of pr- more private affairs? Is this guy a funeral crasher at the age of, of at this tender age already? I think what this is, um, not to speak negatively of funeral crashers, because I used to do that shit in my teens, actually. Fun story. I used to actually attend funerals of people that I didn't know, not because I wanted to make dolls out of them, but just (laughs) because I was interested in the in the theater of a funeral and I was interested in like people watching and seeing how people deal with those emotions. But um I don't think that he's crashing a private event. I think that he um, it's uh, part of Russian culture in some places, and this happened. This okay. whole, yeah, this whole case uh, takes place in Nizhny Novgorod, which is a northern Russian city, and it's not unusual for there to be some sort of short funeral procession that is like through a public street or something. Sort of like something you would see in Mar- like in New Orleans culture, like that where makes, you have like the, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, 
Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think he was crashing. Just like, who is this man? <laughs> He's just rolling who up. Who is this man? Who is that? Is that your cousin? No, even worse. Who's this kid? Because he was a kid, right? Oh, kid, yeah. He yeah, he's 11. Who is this kid? Where are his parents? Yeah. <laughs> oh, his parents are forcing him to kiss the dead girl. Okay. Great. Um, yes. So he said that it all kind of stemmed from that. Um, his main areas of academic interest as he was growing up were Celtic history and folklore, as well as languages and linguistics. He was a polyglot, which means he spoke lots of different languages. Um, and he also had a deep interest in cemeteries, burial rituals, death, and the occult. So, so far, hashtag relatable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's basically I mean, this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they call people who go and uh, visit cemeteries and for who are fascinated by the history and the ritual of it, we call these people tapophiles, who are really interested in just going in and really paying attention to the history and showing the respect and even helping out with preservation efforts. Hmm. Yeah, he so like a tapophile at first. <laughs> right, right. So we're not we're not too weird yet. Um, he kept. A library of over 60,000 books and documents. So he was a hashtag nerd. Um, as, well, as well as, even from a young age, a large collection of dolls. Ah. Okay. So as he grows up, um, he leads kind of a secluded life. He never dated or married. Um, instead, he preferred to live with his parents. And he abstained from drinking alcohol and smoking, and he's purportedly a virgin. So we're starting to see, like, I'm getting a feeling of, like, stunted growth here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stunted growth, possibly. Uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to make the assumption that he was maybe an introvert. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Mega I, introvert. Yeah. And, um, I mean, because if he's got this obsession with dolls, a lot of the times, like, you know, you get that sort of, like, need for some sort of uh, connection with something. And I think dolls can sometimes make a substitute for that. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what I'm getting. Yeah. So um, career-wise, uh, as an adult, he becomes a lecturer in Celtic studies at Nizhny Novgorod uh, Linguistics University. Um, he previously worked at the Institute of Foreign Languages, so he is considered a really successful guy by his colleagues um, in, in his field. And it, I thought it was interesting that he uh, specialized in Celtic studies, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> and your I people. Gonna, my people. Yes, my people. I know, mine too. <laughs> yeah. That's See, Whitney and I get it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a Scots woman. Yeah, but like... Whitney and I get it. <laughs> you guys, sidebar to the sidebar. Um, just to speak on my people for a moment, I recently learned of a specific, I think it was like the 1300s, there was a group of Scottish warriors that needed to gain entrance to this particular castle, and they fucking dressed up as cows <laughs> to gain entry, tricked the British that were holding that fort, and it eventually, like, took the fort from them. I mean, how good was this uh, cow disguise? <laughs> I have no idea. But it was, like, this band of Scottish, like, warriors. I'm like, damn. I'm like, how? Okay, so I can't imagine that we had, like, you know, the prosthetics. 
Right. I'm just imagining like a blanket. <laughs> with some dots painted with on some <laughs> black paint on it. And they're just like. Mm. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm hey, just Kenny. saying. Kenny, it yeah. sounds like it was a moving experience. It was Amazing. a moving experience. Yeah. Amazing. They moved right on into that castle but, is yes, what they, they did. did. And I'm over here trying to figure out why we study the Trojan horse. Who was the dumbass that let Scots. them in, though? <laughs> who was the dumbass person cows. who let them in? Whoa, there's a cow. We need some cows. We'll let them on in. Let them on in. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just trotting along like, Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, great. Your people are brilliant, Katie. You know what? They won. They won that skirmish. Yes, they did. Yes, the fuck they did. So, now. It's the little things. It, yes. It is. So, um, getting back to our story, uh, <laughs> Moskvin, there is no way to segue from that, from Scottish men dressed as cows back to the story. Um, so. They were dressed like cow dolls. Back to the story. <laughs> I bet you he did. did. We'll have to ask him. So, Moskvin described himself as a necropolist, uh, considered himself an expert on local cemeteries in the Nizhny Novgorod region. I mean, is that like an official job title, though? I think so. I'm a necropolist. Necropolist. Yeah, he he like knew all about the different cemeteries and stuff. Okay, I'm kind of into that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool too. Yeah. What hey, do you? Do you guys remember the TV show Penny Dreadful? Yes. Yes. I never watched it though, actually. Okay. Well, spoiler: on the third season, there was a character, and she called herself a thanatologist, basically someone who studies death. Yeah, that's oh, that's a yeah. thing, actually. I've um, I attended uh in my day life um <laughs> for my day job in her waking life yeah in my waking life i actually attended a conference uh from a thanatologist and it was really kind of interesting the way that she talked about it was kind of enlightening the talk that she gave because she was identifying like the ways that we as a culture sort of have these unhealthy separations from death and like these patterns that we follow right so like when you find out that somebody died our first response is, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, that's a script yeah. that we have. And it's um, kind of interesting how she went through and said, like, no, like, you know, this is how she, you should talk to people about death. And, like, this is how the grieving cycle works. And there is no specific, like, five stages of grief or whatever. Like, those things cycle through. And it's kind of way more of an organic process. And an up and down and up and down. And if you've ever been through grief, obviously you know that it's not like a five-step process and then everything's fine. So, thanatologists are awesome. Okay. I actually am a big fan. Okay, cool. People who dress little girls up as dolls and uh, keep their mummified bodies are not awesome. <laughs> mm, yeah. No. Yeah. So, Muskvin was arrested uh, November 2nd, 2011, by police who were investigating a series of grave desecrations in cemeteries in and around Nizhny Novgorod. Um, investigators for the Center for Combating Extremism discovered the 26 bodies uh, in Moskvin's flat and garage. And the interesting twist here that we didn't mention up top is that he shared that flat and garage with his parents. Yeah. Oh, oh man. 
Yes. So the Dahmer case is something everybody points to the Dahmer case as like, how could he have done this? Like Jeffrey Dahmer, how could he have done this living in an apartment? Like we often think of serial killers or, you know, people who have lots of dead bodies in their houses. Moskvin didn't kill anybody that we know. Um, But we often think of them as living isolated in these big, huge houses where they can do whatever they want. Um, But no, he was living with his parents and the dolls were there the whole time. The parents were there the whole time. Parents never suspected anything. They said it was weird. <laughs> but they didn't suspect yeah, that they were dead bodies. Yeah, putting it mildly. Yeah, mildly. I was going to say, like, oh, honey, what is this uh, random, large, obscenely large doll in the corner here? Okay. But not even just one. Like, okay, I can maybe give you one. He's got one strange doll. Okay. Mm-hmm. 26, 26 strange dolls. And you know it had to Life smell. You know it had to smell. Technically, if he did the mummification right, it may not have smelled. Good to know. Yes. So although only 26 bodies were discovered in his home, Moskvin was suspected of desecrating as many as 150 graves in the Nizhny Novgorod area. Um, Police had found numerous grave accoutrements, such as metal nameplates removed from headstones. Um, Police also discovered instructions for making the dolls maps of cemeteries in the region, and a collection of photographs and videos depicting open graves and disinterred bodies. Although none of these photos or videos could be conclusively connected to the bodies that were found in the apartment. But it looks pretty suspicious. Suspicious. (laughs) Wow. According to the investigation, the bodies were removed from cemeteries in the Nizhny Novgorod region, as well as some cemeteries in Moscow and the surrounding region. Uh, Muskvin actively cooperated with the investigators once they found all his shit. Not like he had a choice. <laughs> Probably not. No, I wouldn't say that he that he would, but I mean... Ugh. So obviously, I'm sure that everyone is dying to know. Did you see what I did there? How did he make the mummies? How did he make the mummies? Thank you for asking, Whitney. Uh, after after exhuming the corpses from their graves, Moskvin researched mummification theories and techniques from books in an attempt to preserve the bodies. Wait, theories? <laughs> yes. Because remember, he had been interested in death, dying, ritual, burials, all of that stuff from a very early age. So he mm-hmm. had over 60,000 documents and books that had to deal, some of which had to deal with this type of thing. So he would dry the corpses using a combination of salt and baking soda, and then he would cache the bodies in secure and dry places in and around cemeteries to kind of dry them out. Once the bodies were dried, he would carry the bodies back to his home where he used various methods to make dolls out of the corpses. Unable to prevent the bodies from withering and shrinking as they dried, he would wrap the limbs in strips of cloth to provide fullness, or he would stuff the bodies with rags and padding, sometimes adding war ma- wax masks. War masks. <laughs> or he would stuff <laughs> Or he would stuff the bodies with rags and padding, sometimes as- adding wax masks decorated with nail polish over their faces before dressing them in brightly colored children's clothing and wigs. That's terrifying. So oh my God. this is what made the bodies appear to look like large homemade dolls, which supposedly prevented their discovery by his parents. I'm uh, waving the bullshit flag on that one. 100%. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I, I would have to agree. That's a little like. Mm, mm, I'm side eyeing a little bit right now. Again, like that's like you... somebody. That's like in Dungeons and Dragons. That's like somebody rolling a perception of a natural one. <laughs> I love these Dungeons and Dragons references. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, I I kind of feel like those parents might be the most oblivious people. They're like, well, I mean, I don't know. He was just doing his thing, I guess. I mean, as the apartment, because it's an apartment, and I don't know if you've ever been to Russia, but let me tell you, the apartments ain't uh, no, huge. No, I have not. They're not very big apartments. The the buildings no. are not. It's not, I'm thinking that the space that they were in was not massive. And I'm just imagining if we had 26 human-sized dolls in this apartment. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, their apartment was probably smaller than what we're in right now. Yeah, And, like, just to have 26 dolls laying around, like... I feel like you'd notice. Yeah, you kind of would have to. I feel like an arm fell off and then, like, the dad or someone would probably just, you know, occasionally, like, have to... Let me just reattach this here. <laughs> oh, honey, look at Anatoly's balls. Look at all these balls. They're falling apart. That's okay, honey. At least he's making friends. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's got well, a hobby. He's, he's, he's got a hobby. Right. He's got a hobby. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he might be. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so. <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine. So it was. You know what show we're on. You know what show we're on. They know what show they're listening to. That's all I got to say on that. Okay, not pulling back anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So it was unclear whether each doll contained a full set of human remains, uh, but Musfin claimed that he had made the dolls over the course of ten years, and his parents, who were apparently away for large portions of the year were unaware of his activities. But I feel like if you were there for any portion of the year, you would notice 26 dead fucking bodies just chilling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or at least huge life-size dolls. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty conspicuous. Right. I feel like you should probably just talk to them. They might not be bodies. They might not turn out to be bodies. If your son has got just you general listener if your son start or daughter i don't give a fuck what their gender is if they start bringing home life-size dolls just talk to them just talk to them about it maybe they're not dead bodies hopefully they're not probably fingers crossed for you but i feel like we should still have a conversation about like who are your friends? Like, what are you, what are you interested in? Um, what have you been reading lately? Uh, just want to see how you doing. Uh, maybe we should get you some help. You know? Yeah, child of mine, we need to talk about the doll. Yeah, let's just let's just have a conversation. Let's, let's open up a dialogue here. Maybe we don't do this. We're gonna have a dialogue. So he, I think he's, he's like 52 now and he, that would have made him like somewhere around like mid forties when he was busted for this crime. And if he had been doing it for 10 years, he started this shit like early thirties to mid thirties. And I know that the midlife crisis is real, but like 30 hits hard. Just try to handle it better than this. 
What are you? Listen, I'm the one hitting 30 this year, not you. So we'll see. I'll give you a first. If I see any fucking dolls pop up around this apartment, I swear to God, Whitney and I will shut you down. No, the only time I would have a doll would be like if you were to pass away or something. And then I would have to and then I would have to make a doll from your corpse and sit it across from me with a laptop. And I would buy you a matcha and a can and you'd have a candle. And and you heard it here, folks. And you heard it here. Yeah. You, Haunted Heart Ready? listeners, if anything ever happens to me, just know that you are probably going to get digitally spliced Katie episodes weekly going forward. And just, you know, just stay subscribed. You don't have to listen. Just be here for him. Katie's like, just stay subscribed. Okay. Still rate us five stars. <laughs> he needs it. Hmm. Yeah. If anything happens to me, well, I guess there's digitally spliced Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's terrifying. It's digitally spliced anything is just terrifying. What if it's they true. all just took over and then it's like digitally spliced Katie and Kenny and Whitney? <laughs> <laughs> they just all take their own life. Shit. <laughs> so. That's a terrifying show. Yes. So our dude Moskvin, he was arrested, obviously, and was charged under Article 244 of the Criminal Code. Which is what? Uh, desecration of graves and dead bodies. Huh. Okay. Interestingly, okay. you get up to five years in prison for that. That's it. Okay. Just well, five. I mean, Just you, five. you didn't actually murder anybody. Yeah. An interesting question that we can talk about in our discussion portion is, like, would we have gotten to that point? Yeah. Would we take that leap? We'll talk about that. So. Yeah, definitely. He's arrested and originally, uh, you know, charged under the criminal code for this charge, which carries up to five years in prison. But after, in May of 2012... so he was busted November 2011. May of 2012, a psychiatrist found that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. And he was removed to a psychiatric clinic. And his stay was to be reviewed regularly. But basically, every time he comes up for review, which this actually happened recently, which is why this case kind of like uh, was posted in a lot of places on social media. And it kind of came went viral again, I guess, Yeah. in the States. Um, yeah. Because every couple of years his his review comes up and they always extend his stay. So it doesn't look like he's going to be getting out anytime soon. As of 2019, every request for the extension of his treatment has been approved. Um, but an interesting note, in 2016, it was reported that he was going to marry a 25-year-old native of his hometown that attended his trial. Hmm. So he has found love. And if you are lonely, just know... There's probably somebody out there for you because this man made 26 life-size human dolls. Ugh. Aww. Well, so, but didn't, I remember um, when reading about this that there was um, one in particular that he actually kept going back for, right? Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't I know I want to say that there was a, um, I could have sworn, I thought I remember reading that, um, like he had, um... Shit, I can't remember now. I'm a great... This is great. Excellent. But no, there was... Um, I remember reading that there was a specific corpse that he, like, kept going back for. And I thought that was when he was... I thought he was out. 
which is why, like, I thought he was out and then went back for her corpse again. Oh, no. As far as I know, he went to the psychiatric hospital and got got renewed every time. Okay. And he just, we, we're keeping him there. He's okay. going to just be there for a okay. while. for a minute. Which is probably good. Best. Yeah. That's yeah. a very good idea. Yeah. Go, go Russia. In this one incident. In this one incident. <laughs> Very specifically, just this one uh, worked out. I can't believe, yeah, so you, you can find love, folks. You can, you know, if it feels like it's just really, you're really getting disillusioned with your Bumble and your Tinder and your things, just know that um, he's not alone anymore, so you don't have to be either. You too can find love. Across a crowded courtroom. <laughs> Listen, he loved her. She was a doll. Okay. Literally. <laughs> Do we know that this is a real person, or is it like has he like fully no, transcended? Okay, because I'm just thinking like he transcended like his you know doll obsession and is now looking at a doll as an actual person oh no Mm -mm. no this was a girl this was i mean very similar to when we have cases like uh like what we saw very recently with ted bundy and the whole like interest around him rising up again as uh part of the netflix documentary that was on him um there are women who maybe we'll do an episode on that one day there are women who are sexually attracted to like serial killers and even though this guy isn't a serial killer i don't want to misrepresent him like there are women who through the course of trial get attracted to these people and then want to be with them um despite or perhaps because of their uh situations one of being the, in prison well one of the things that i, I kind of want to talk about that i found was interesting about this case was that he did claim that he had felt some sort of sympathy for the dead girls yeah um yeah. and that he believed that they could be brought back to life yeah, I had read that too. Um, through I read a, that too. Uh, like occult means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he claimed that these dead children would actually call out to him and that, you know, he knew, and that's how he knew precisely which ones to dig up. Yeah, so that'd be the schizophrenia. That it was like, oh, this one is calling out to me, so I'm going to, you know, dig this body up and try to bring it back to life. Mm. At least that's what he was saying, which is what I found uh, uh, disturbing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the schizophrenia. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, he wanted to have a child of his own. Mm. Oh, really? And actually, he did try to adopt a young girl, but his parents didn't want him to. Mm. And his application was... De- but here's what, what denied his application for adopting this child. He had too low of an income. Interesting, as a because he's like a professor, right? That was yeah, kind of his job. Yeah, I mean, explored around. He was this. No question, this man was brilliant. Um, one of the quotes uh, from one of the uh, the parents of one of the the children said that uh, um, that we had been visiting the grave of our child for nine years and we had no idea it was empty. Instead, she was in this beast's apartment. I still find it hard to grasp the scale of his sickening work, but for nine years he was living with my mummified daughter in his bedroom. I had her for ten years; he had her for nine. Oh. Mm. 
So what are our thoughts? Or do we think that, um, like we mentioned earlier, like is would have this would murder have been a next step for this for this guy? What are what are our thoughts on that, Whitney? Well, <laughs> it makes me gag inside. Oh my god. Uh, oh my god. Anyway, I mean, I don't know. Usually. I'm looking at the fact that he was a paranoid schizophrenic, yet schizophrenics, from what I've read, from what I've studied, which isn't much, but usually if they're on their medication, for the most part, they're balanced, for lack of a better word. I mean, am I correct in in thinking that? Yeah, I think as long as you're regular with your medication, there's so to dispel, because schizophrenia does have a sort of um stigma. yeah a stigma around it like all mental health but schizophrenia in particular yeah let's explain what, yeah, let's explain what schizophrenia actually is a little bit well girl i am not a doctor <laughs> but you know having um schizophrenia as a as a mental disorder some people will hear voices have auditory auditory um illusions some people have visual um hallucinations um but most of the time it is more auditory and if you're on reg- if you're on medication that's the right dosage for you and the right kind of medication for you and you stick to your schedule schizophrenic most schizophrenic people can function normally as a normal part of society right and you wouldn't you wouldn't know that anything's right. wrong with them everything's fine they're just like anybody else but the issue of course with any form of mental health but particularly schizophrenia and bipolar once you're on medication and you're on your regular schedule, you feel like a normal person, so you don't feel like you need medicine. And why would you take medicine if you don't need medicine? You're totally normal. And so, you know, you have situations where people will go off their medicines thinking that they don't need it anymore because they have become so regular thanks to their medication. And that's when we start to see um, people really struggle with uh, with mental health. And obviously in this situation, I think he was – hundred percent struggling with uh, with his mental health because I I don't think that that we don't know that he was on medication to start with. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, we don't know because that uh, paranoid schizophrenia diagnosis comes from his doctor in May of 2012 as part of the case. Um, so we don't know that he had seen a doctor and been diagnosed and been placed on meds. And it's hard, like having, um, you know, a little bit of like personal experience with this. Um, it's really hard, first of all, to like it has to be diagnosed, right? And it's difficult right. to get that diagnosis in the first place um, because it can. You can have somebody who is, you know, truly a schizophrenic, um, but then when they go to be observed, exhibit no signs at all, right? So it's it it can be tricky in getting that official medical diagnosis, and it's also um, and it's hard to catch it at first sometimes because it can turn on and off depending on you know the level that it's at. It just essentially depends on how detached that person is mm-hmm. from reality, mm-hmm. um, and that oh, yeah. can manifest itself in ways from. Uh, you know, hearing voices, like you said, or if it's, um, you know, thinking that someone's out to get you, or if it's uh, any number of things. 
Um, it really just depends on what level you're at. Yeah, and I think, would he have actually gone out there and killed someone? I don't, you know, it depends. It depends on what hit, what triggers him, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I can think of other things, I mean, the things that had happened in his life before. Uh, he was always surrounded by death and this fascination with it. I mean, he put it to good use as a professor, as a expert in languages. Uh, I think he did put that his energy to good practice. But at the same time, he was living at home with his parents. Um, I don't know how his parents actually treated him growing up. Yeah. He never, yeah, I don't know if he, the reasons why he wouldn't drink or go out or date or have sex. I mean, I don't know if that was so much him or if that was part of his background with his family. Who knows? And why would his parents not let him? It was against his parents' wishes for him to adopt a child. He, his parents didn't want him to do it. Yeah. Is that maybe a religious I thing? I mean, I don't know what I don't, I don't like. Know. Why would that? I mean, did they recognize that he was probably an unfit? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm wondering. Unfit, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, that goes back to what's going on in that house. I mean, right. I'm wondering if maybe the parents. Because, again, whether you're away a lot of the time or not, you are there some of the time and there are 26 life-size dolls in the apartment. So I think they, everybody who knew Anatoly described him as, like, a little quirky, a little weird, a little different. Generally, he was well-liked, um, but I don't think he was anybody's best friend. I don't think he was close with anybody. I think he was well-liked, well-respected by his colleagues. Um, and recognized as kind of like a quirky personality, but I don't know that he had like somebody he was close with to kind of like be a friend. So I don't, I, I do think that in some ways these dolls were his friends. They mm. were his relationships, um, which is really sad. Um, I, I don't know that we would have seen, um, I don't know that we would have seen him escalate to straight-up murder. The closest case that I can think of um, that everybody would kind of know a little bit about would be Ed Gein. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very similar, these two cases, in, you know, content. Um, but I do think that whereas Gein was sort of willing to kill to defend his secret... I don't know that Anatoly was because he supposedly was working openly with police immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know that he had that like need f- to defend so much. And he wanted actually, as Kenny said earlier, he wanted to bring these girls back to life. Yeah, in his mythos, but I, I don't want to be too sympathetic with him because, after all, he did dig up 26 dead girls. So, <laughs> just to be clear, I mean, still, That's, we seek help. Our official stance on the haunted heart is that is frowned upon. It is frowned upon. We are all frowning. Yeah, please don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Just, just don't. Um, what I think, the um, they show pictures online of these yeah. mummified... Um, I, I, what I can only assume to be like the actual thing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And they are truly, like, disturbing. Like, these wax faces that he created um, and then painted over, it sort of reminds me a little bit of, like... Um, and like Egyptian history, when you have like the the death um, masks, the death yeah. masks a little bit, and so. I'm sure that's what they were supposed to be, obviously, because you know he studied death, and he, I'm sure those were supposed to be a death mask of sorts. They were a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think that he, I don't think that he would have reached the level of like murdering somebody because I don't think that's where his motivation came from. Mm-hmm. I don't think he don't was think motivated so. by like anger or or mm. rage mm-hmm. or something that would cause him to like act because out act out that way because I think a lot of the times murder comes from a place of like you know like a a, a almost like a red space if you will of like passion anger or you know that mm-hmm. a lot of the times not always mm-hmm. but most of the time and I just don't see a lot of that in him so I don't think he would have but um there's no telling like where like if he hadn't have been caught like how many more bodies would he have had right you know like if there was right. nothing to stop him like he would have just kept going because i don't think he was gonna stop Mm-mm. no i don't think so either he felt like he true i think he truly believed he was on a mission i think he truly truly believed it do you think that um he sort of cooperated uh with the, the authorities because Maybe there was a part of him that wanted help or wanted to be um, found out or, you know, that wanted so. to reach out. I think so. I think he wanted, again, I'm not condoning anything that he did, but I think in a way, too, he kind of wanted to tell the story. Hmm. Tell the... I, I, think, I think he wanted people to understand. Yet at the same time, I go back to this poor girl's mother being a mom myself, I would be heartbroken, A, number one, to lose my child, but number two, to realize that somebody had dug him up and turned him into a doll and kept it and kept him with him for God knows how long. I'd be, that would be just even more devastation for me. So that's a tough, that's a tough call to make, I think. I think he wanted to, I think he wanted to make himself understood as much as he could. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. And um, apparently he actually, um, he left notes at the grave of one particular um, child. Maybe this is what you were thinking. What? Of like one that he fixated on. Um, So the parents um, said that they found a note uh, signed with two letters. uh, D-A standing for Dobri, Angel. Which yeah. I guess stands for kind angel. Dobre, it Dobre. means good. Dobre. 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 Yeah. Um, which they, which was, I guess, how Moskvin thought of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they said they shivered with fear each time they went to the grave, not knowing what to expect. And that these uh, sick anonymous notes were addressed to their daughter, calling her little lady. Hmm. Yeah, and they said that he um, congratulated her on all the public holidays, or I guess like, I guess congratulated would be like, like happy. 
Like, mm-hmm. happy whatever. I guess that's what that means. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, um, happy whatever. Valentine's Day. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, and that he remembered about the 1st of September each year, which was the first day of school, um, and also the last day in school in May. He would leave notes. And that he counted carefully which school grade she was about to enter as if she was still alive. Hmm. And oh, my God. For example, he would say, happy last month of your sixth year at school. Mm. Um, and they just said that, imagine what it's like for us, you know, being these grieving parents and reading these notes about their daughter who had actually been murdered. Really? The daughter was had actually been murdered. Um, and, they, and he read these guys' obituary. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, they said that it was... Um, it was less like a sick joke, but more like a spear through their hearts. I mean, but can you imagine that, though? Like, you're trying to grieve your your daughter who had been murdered, and then all of a sudden you've got these, like, anonymous notes that keep popping up at her grave. Mm. And it's, like, just sort of teasing you, in a sense. Because that's what it seems to me. Like, that's how I would read it as a parent. Yeah, I would too, actually. Which I mean, would make me fucking angry uh, as hell. <laughs> I would be trying to find somebody. I would be stationed at that motherfucking cemetery um, until I found the person leaving those notes. Then I'd bury him myself. Uh, exactly. Um, so they said that, um, just to continue, they said that they um, he would leave, like, toys. Um, he would put decorations on the grave, like, for New Year's. Um, and in one note, though... We actually see a little aggression because he threatened the parents. If you don't erect a great monument, which she deserves, we will dig her body out. It's interesting that mm. he uses the term we. Yeah. Yeah, what does that mean? I don't know. Do you think that that has something to do with the other people or the other girls that he has, like, heard, Oh, that the maybe they're a family? That it's yeah, like you've got like a weird family thing going on. That's what I um, the other the other dolls and him being a family unit in his mind, maybe. Oh, that's a horrible fish. I'm I'm getting a horrible visual in my head right now of this guy going to her to her grave with a bunch of his dolls walking and shuffling. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting because Right. Like if you, I could see him now. We're now we're in the realm of if this guy um, who looks at these bodies as if they are children, maybe even an extension of you know his own children. Like you know what I mean? Like his own right. children, right? Or family? Like yeah. if he felt like they were being threatened, would he have acted out on that? But interestingly, the threat he made was not to hurt parents not to hurt the living but to just dig up her, this poor girl's grave but would it have advanced to that Could it have, yeah who knows oh, katie what do you think uh i'm not sure again i see him as more focused on the kids um and and i the fact that immediately when he when the police came to his apartment and busted him, he worked with them. And there wasn't a, from every report that I've read, there wasn't a period of time where he tried to hide anything. There wasn't a period of time where he held back information. He seemed to be really upfront. 
Um, and so to me, I think I, I don't see it escalating to that point, but escalation does occur, obviously. Um, and so at some point, you know, does he get impatient that he hasn't been able to bring these girls back to life yet? And does that manifest in something? Does he get frustrated with parents? Does that manifest? Is he caught um, by parents at a gravesite? And then do we have a scuffle from there? Like, there's so many situations and so much speculation that we could do on, you know, where it could have gone. Um, but I do think it's good that he is in a psychiatric hospital, which is where he should be. Um, Absolutely. Getting the treatment that he needs. So hopefully he can get help, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. I think this case yeah. for me just is about overwhelming loneliness. Yeah. And so it's very sad in that in that respect. Yeah. So there's just so much that we don't know. Um and I'm sure that like as people continue to look into him and his background, um, you know, people will know more. Do you think he'll ever get released? I don't think so. Uh, through twenty nineteen his his care has always been extended to the max that it can be. So I think um I think he'll probably be there for a while. Okay. Yeah. Which is probably where I he mean, should be. What, yeah, I mean, what, he's 52 now? Yeah, yeah, 52. Yeah. So, I mean, and who knows? I mean, it depends on any other medical issue. I mean, schizophrenia is a mental disorder, but it's also a medical one because it really is truly something wrong with your brain. Right. And who knows what other... Who knows how he's being, I'm sure he's, we hope and pray that he's being treated very well, you know, that they're treating him with respect and with compassion and treating him the best way they can. But, you know, he's been locked up in a care facility for all these years. He's 52. Who knows what his physical health is like now? Yeah, I'm right. sure the Russian psychiatric centers are... <laughs> mm. <laughs> are uh, mm. Uh, uh, Great top places notch. to stay. <laughs> Five stars, Airbnb. I've never been. Yeah, I've never been in one. Uh, so I can't I honestly am say. Legally, but. not allowed to comment. <laughs> no. So mm-hmm. yeah, what? Any um, final thoughts on this uh, Russian doll maker? Which is what yeah, his I moniker mean- is. Yeah, and that's a real, you, you want to know, some, when I was researching it a little bit, when I would Google Russian doll maker, uh, kind of an interesting sidebar, another Russian doll maker popped up, and it turns out to be this guy that really does make Russian, Russian dolls. Russian I wonder if he gets, like, hate mail. <laughs> right. Oh, God. That's know. still, I'm sorry, um, but... That in and of itself is still creepy to me. Like, yeah. even if you're, like, making, like, life's, like... You know um, what's really... What has always really creeped me out in talking about dolls? Um, and I understand that there's, like, a therapeutic aspect to this, but, um, you know, there are places and there are artists and that make um, uh, hyper-realistic dolls of, yeah. like, children and um, infants and preemies for, you know, parents who may be struggling with the loss of a child. Um, and, oh my yeah, so they make these hyper-realistic 
um, infants, I guess, as some sort of therapy. Yeah. For parents who have lost a child, it's it's a form of therapy. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not... I think that's extremely well-meaning, but... Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of on that same level with it. I think that it's, you know, if it works for you and it helps you get through whatever it is you're working through, baby, that's great. Um, and I want you to do uh, what you can to get through what you're working through, as long as it is legal and healthy and doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just a slippery slope. Don't let it. Don't let it be a slippery I feel slope. Like, I feel like there's a line, you know. Um, and when we when it comes to hyper realistic dolls, like that line is very thin. Yeah. Very That's very thin. Thing. Oh man. But you know, it, it is interesting considering that I found. I got information and learned about this case and then all the issues and all the things in my mind that comes up with it, dealing with grief. I mean, there's a huge grieving process um, that these parents are going through and they keep on going through it because of things that he did. Yeah. And then the idea of being absolutely, and in a way, um, Anatoly did kind of go through loss in and of himself because he never got to experience having a child of his own. And I think that was something he truly wanted. Yeah. So when you experience death or when you study death, I think probably a lot of the things you, sh- you should be studying, as Katie pointed out, is not only the rituals behind practices of death and burial, but also practices of grief. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I, I think another thing that sort of, just sort of uh, triggered another um, thought in my head, uh, like you can look at this as like, or you may initially look at it as like victimless, but he had what, 26, 20, what he had the parents of these like 26 people um, that yeah. were victimized. So, I mean, he really did. I mean, he had victims, the parents of these um, children, their bodies were, you know, uh, uh, desecrated, and um, and so it's almost, um, I mean, it's twisted, it's sick and twisted all around. But even more so when you think about the poor parents that have to go through all this, like they're already, they already had to bury their child, their child once, and then to have to go back through that process again. That's like putting them through it all over again, and like you know. I can only imagine that as a parent that that would just be, that that would just break you, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I can't do that. I mean, and I don't know what I would be driven to do if I found out somebody did that to my own child. Oh, honey, I told you, I, I would be, I would be I waiting. <laughs> I would be waiting at that grave. And I would be waiting for him, uh, and yeah, would not take kindly to that. So, fail you. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that was our episode on the Russian doll. Can you say that? Say it in a Russian accent for us, Katie. Oh, don't do that to me. Say it. The Russian doll maker. Ooh. That was that was not a Russian accent, you guys. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> I wish I knew how to say doll in Russian. 
Yeah, I have to it's get funny back. That we're in talking my... about that because we uh, just fin- we just finished watching, or I just finished watching uh, that Russian Dolls TV oh, yeah. show on Netflix. Yeah, Russian Doll. Watch it on Netflix. How was that? Oh, good. It was really good. It was really great. This is a very nice segue. To, <laughs> yeah, to... <laughs> lighter topic. This is a lighter topic. No, it was very good. I definitely recommend it. Um, what? Uh, what's Natasha Leone? Natasha is Leone. fabulous. Um, she is so funny. Yeah, she's, she's so great. like just dry. She's just like just dry. Like doesn't give a fuck. She just says like what she's gonna say, and um, it's uh, it's super funny. But it also has themes of like death and reliving death over and over again. Hence the you know the title Russian Doll. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just fascinating. I, I gotta check that out now. Yes, yeah. you definitely it, have to check it out. It's a really good show. I literally binged it at once. It was one of those shows that like I had to binge because it's set um it's set like a uh like it happens almost in like one to two days. Yeah. Um so it's like she keeps reliving the same night over and over again. So you see so it's almost like one long episode. So I just felt like I had to to keep watching it. So I definitely recommend watching it. <laughs> I will definitely check that out. That is so cool. And that's oh, and if you want creepy, if you want creepy, you should come and meet my eight-year-old son, who's absolutely adorable. But he does the creepiest imitation of a doll that you would ever see. He would stand there. He goes glassy eyes. He lays on his side and he goes, "Mama, mama." Oh my God! No. Oh yes. No, 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 no. Oh no. <laughs> All right, folks, so I think uh, Katie's going to do her bit here. I'm going to do the bit. You ready? <laughs> you ready for the I bit? I love that the bit has become a thing. Are you ready for the bit? I'm ready. So if you guys want to find us on social media, you know where to go. We're on Twitter at The Haunted Heart. We're on Instagram at The Haunted Heart Podcast. And on Facebook, you can search for The Haunted Heart Podcast and join our closed Facebook group. Nobody can see what you post. If you request to join, we'll approve you. And there's a super cool community on there. Um, We have, like, all kinds of, like, themed days that we do. And it's just super fun. It's a really cool community outside the show um, that's just really amazing there's a lot of people who are way cooler than us in the facebook group so we really encourage you guys to join yes all right whitney uh why don't you do the patreon bit for us okay all right so if you truly loved listening to our craziness tonight or every other night you can help us you can help katie and kenny make their beautiful dreams come true go to www.patreon.com uh, backslash the haunted heart and you, there are varying levels of support starting from a dollar all the way up don't just join for the perks the perks are awesome but just join for the fact that these are people who are trying to tell stories and get them out into the world and they're stories that you really need to hear so do it join me I'm a Patreon fan I love it <laughs> awesome thank you so much oh, that was gosh. too kind that was amazing <laughs> i'm crying right now all right well we oh, need to get you some you. we need to get you some tissues because you know i don't love a messy bitch so <laughs> we'll go ahead and close out i'm giving kenny an air hug right now i'm giving you an air hug too all right whitney so um on three you join us for our stay spooky sign off okay One, got it two Three, stay spooky.